0: Three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 402. A couple minutes ago, I got off of a call with Lawrence Owen, one of my, man, good friends in the sports world. I really love this guy. He's got a spirit that I love. He reminds me... Honestly, he reminds me of one of my offensive linemen, a guy I used to be really close with and um, who just you know battled hard for me uh, back in my football career. He's got the spirit of an offensive lineman. He, he's wonderful. He's just a great dude. I love him. He's Colts insider Lawrence Owen. And uh, I, I just we talk about Carson Wentz. We talk about the future of the Colts, the salary cap, the moves they should make, how the year is going, all kinds of incredible stuff. And I, I can't say enough good things. So uh, without further ado enjoy my conversation with Lawrence Owen joining me now is Lawrence Owen you are a uh, a big Colts fan you go by Coltslaw on Twitter Lawrence how are you
1: mm-hmm. oh i'm doing great man how how have you been so far this week
0: dude it's been a a whirlwind of a week a lot of stuff going a lot of stuff's going on you you and i both have construction going on where we live which is not fun and by the way, let's address the elephant in the room. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, it's my fault, not yours. There's a green screen behind you. Normally, you got a cool like setup behind you. I'm a dumb mm. idiot, and I forgot to tell you that I, I don't have a way to do that. So that's that's on me, not you. And uh, I, I feel bad. I hope you're not too perturbed by that. I'm like, oh, dang it, man.
1: No, no, no. I'm all good. I'll just have to show off <laughs> some of this stuff, you know. I, I do have Colt's memorabilia. This actually came to me through, from one of my sponsors. That's pretty
0: I saw that. I saw awesome, that on man. Instagram. Uh, was, it was this morning I saw that. It's really cool. Hey, everyone. It is Zach from the editing room. And it was at this very moment editing the episode I realized, oh, wait, hey, I don't want to do my man Lawrence dirty. I told him because I couldn't figure out the green screen at the moment during our conversation face to face. But I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I could just make it happen after the fact. While I'm editing, I'm like, oh, so here we are. Here's the big reveal on YouTube. Now you can enjoy. Continue the conversation. Enjoy it, Lawrence. Uh, I love you so much. You're the best. And uh, there we go.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think so, too. So uh, I've got some memorabilia, but uh, I had a house fire like about almost seven years ago and lost almost everything. So uh, people ask me all the time, why do you use a green screen? And I'm like, I'm a little short on memorabilia and stuff like that. And I, I gave them the explanation and and tell them, you know, I've had some of my followers jump on there and send me HD pictures of their, uh, you know, colts caves and stuff like that to use in my background. You know what it's like. You know your followers. They want to help you out and send you. I seen that you got. You got uh, something from Indiana uh, also, yeah. right? Yes, a guy so, sent me headphones yeah, I... this
0: morning from Indiana. And I was like, mm-hmm. Davis, my That's... man. I really appreciated that. So, Davis, you're out there. You know who you are. Uh, I want to, so you mentioned it. And I was going to talk about this at the end. We are going to talk about Colts this entire podcast, basically. I got like one non Colts question. Uh, but I do want to start today with a, I wasn't planning to, but since you mentioned it, I think it's a good way for the audience to get to know you and who you are and your story. Cause you told me when I was on your show, was it last week or two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. you talked about your house burning down in a fire and that like, I, I really, I already love you, man. I think you're awesome. I want to have a beer with you someday, like in person, but that was one that I I was like, wow. And it really moved me inside and it made me like a huge fan of you forever. And I I think it's cool that you have had so many reasons to not make content. Like you could, you could be the kind of person that goes, ah, well this happened and that happened and this happened. And I'm just going to. You know, not do it today. And you're like, no, you always find a way to make it work. So your house burned down. You said seven years ago, talk to me about that. Cause that's mm-hmm. a crazy wild story. I, I did not expect to hear from you when we sat down two weeks ago.
1: Oh yeah. So about seven years ago, uh my wife and I, we were living, uh one of our best friends had passed away the year prior and we were living in his home. It was our home. And Everything was good. Uh, we I just started doing audio podcasting and stuff, you know, covering the Indianapolis Colts, writing articles and things of that nature. And then while I was at my day job, because at the time I wasn't making nowhere near enough money to, you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Uh, So I had a day job. I'm at my day job uh, working third shift, and I get a call from... A neighbor of mine saying hey your house burnt down with your family in it and I'm like what you know and then after a pause they were like oh no they got out you know they're they're in the hospital right now they but but they got out they survived I was like oh thank goodness and so uh, you know I ran um, lost everything well I mean everything house burnt completely to the ground and, uh, my wife was hospitalized for a few months due to smoke inhalation and lost all my pets and, and everything. And it, it, it was very, very difficult because I didn't have insurance in my home at the time because the insurance had just canceled like the previous year because of foundation issues. And so I had to build myself back up from the ground, having nothing, you know, me and my family, I got two kids. Uh, and we're living out of a hotel room for like three months, had to save up money, use a tax return basically as a down payment to get a home and just build up from there. And, um, what that did for me was make me realize no matter what life throws at you, you can always get back up and continue moving forward. And that's what I do on a, on a daily basis. Whenever I wake up in the morning, I'm just like, I really don't feel like doing this. You know, and I, I go and I think back, you know what, you, you've made it through a lot worse. Why don't you just, you know, suck it up, come out here and give what the people that are out there expecting you to do, give them what they deserve. And that's what I do. And, you know, you do the same thing, man. I, I've seen a lot of your stuff. You're, you, you said the past couple of weeks hasn't been exactly the, the greatest for you as well. So uh yet you're here you are you got me on your show you're you're making content so uh kudos to you as
0: well yeah i mean i don't know if you know this and i my audience knows this i talk about it as often as i can um in 2016 my younger brother took his Mm. own life and that was that's like my moment my house didn't burn down but my brother took his own life and that was kind of I, i i we still had a moment where we both were really down I had to make a choice, like, how am I going to respond to this? And it, it really shaped who I am. The same way I would imagine your house burning down shaped you. And you said your wife was in the hospital for months. I mean, I would imagine the bills are insane with that, right?
1: Well, yeah. Uh, good thing is we had in, uh, mm. health insurance. Awesome. So Thank God. So that was covered mostly, yeah. yeah.
0: I it's just, but, yeah. yeah it's, well, and then your your yeah, pets died. Rough. I can't even imagine my pets yeah. dying. I just think... I would be so – we have two cats, and I would be so heartbroken if that happened. I could not even fathom that. So I just – No, yeah. yeah. It's crazy, man. I I really – I just respect you and admire you so much. And I I was not planning – I was going to circle that at the end, but it's a great way to start the show because I think anyone who doesn't know you now knows a really intimate detail about you and who you are. And that's kind of pretty cool that that worked out that way.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty transparent. I mean, I get questions all the time asking me stuff and, you know, I'm, you know, whatever's going on in my life, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk about it. So, uh, I, I understand that some things in a person's life you, you, are like a little hesitant to talk about, especially when it's, uh, very emotional. Mm. Right. Um, but at the same time. You know, we are doing what we're doing, and it. I I've made a decision. It's better just to be an open book, and let people who follow me know whatever it is that they want to know. You know, I'm not going to tell you how much I make on a day, on, you know, on an hourly basis or something like that. But you know, uh, personal stuff. I don't. I don't have a problem with that, and uh, I think it makes for good content because you know, I'm mean, getting to know the people that you're watching. Uh, kind of gives that connection between the viewer and the content creator.
0: No, man, there, there's so much power in being honest and authentic. And uh, you, mm-hmm. you, in the little time I've known you and, and followed you, I've been so impressed by your willingness to be open and share that. And I just, man, I, I, I love starting this way because I think you're awesome. And I, I wanted to have you on because I just, I love you, man. Like, I think you're like a really cool person as well as a, a football voice. And let's not talk about the Colts because I literally, this morning, And it's for me. It's it's three o'clock for you. It's it's nine o'clock for me here in Hawaii. Uh, I watched the 49ers and Colts game from Sunday Night Football. Let's jump into that. There was an atmospheric Mm -hmm. river, which is like a crazy, insane rain downpour. Uh, I I couldn't believe that was actually what they called it too. I was like, wow, all right. Let's talk. I I don't know where you want to start here, but I'm curious. Like, what's your general takeaway after watching that game, watching the Colts win 30 to 18 over the 49ers on Sunday night?
1: Oh, man. Well, I knew it was going to be a slot fest from like midway last week. They were, you know, talking about how much rain and stuff that they were getting. I mean, it started on like a Wednesday or a Thursday and it wasn't supposed to end until after the game. And I was like, well, there's going to be a lot of turnovers in this game. Hopefully the Colts are on the right side of that one. Uh, Because, you know, both these teams are built very similar. You know, they both like to run the ball. They they uh, rely heavily on their defense and offensive lines and running the football and and not turning the ball over. And I knew that being that it was going to be a lot of turnovers, that I was really, really hoping that Indy would be, you know, on the positive side of that, like they've been all season. And then the game starts and I watch the 49ers just walk right down on their first drive and score a touchdown. And then on the first, first, touch of the ball for the Colts offense Jonathan Taylor fumbles it gives it away they kick a field goal Colts automatically down nine nothing right away you know like four minutes into the game Colts are down nine nothing I'm like well this isn't looking good you know and then I started watching the Colts start to get a little bit of rhythm going you know and yes there was turnovers throughout the game I expected it I'm glad that uh um uh, certain players who are good at making turnovers like Darius Leonard was out, you know out there actively <laughs> looking to use the weather in his favor and he did so and what surprised me the most was how good some of these players for the Colts was in this weather as opposed to the Niners because this is something that the 49ers should be used to. they have these kind of weather games you know more op- more often than what we do here in Indy Uh, especially with us having a roof, you know, when we won it. And they seemed incredibly afraid to throw the football downfield, whereas Carson Wentz and the Colts were more than happy to throw the ball in 40-mile-an-hour winds and drenching downpour. And I think that was the difference in the game, was the fact that Indy was, was more willing to take those shots downfield than what San Francisco was. And I think that... Uh, That last touchdown catch by Michael Pittman kind of, you know, made a, I don't know, pretty much personified how that game went was, you know, there was downpour rain, Carson threw it up, Michael Pittman goes up, makes a massive catch at the end of the game for a touchdown. Um, And I'm... I'm liking where Indy's going. I understand that that kind of a game, you really can't take a lot out of it because of the simple fact that, you know, there's a lot of turnovers and and, and it's hard to gauge a team when you have a game. Like, let's say, you know, if you're in Green Bay and there's like mm. three feet of snow. Yeah. You know, it's hard to gauge a team in that kind of weather. But taking from what I see there, they, they found a way to win and win convincingly. To go along with how they've looked the previous three weeks, I'm getting uh, very good vibes from this team. It seems like they're really turning a corner currently.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, Like the middle of the second quarter was like three and out, three and out, trading three and outs for like, I felt like nine drives in a row. It's just over Mm -hmm. and over and over again. But you're right. I mean, Carson Wentz and the Colts' willingness to launch the ball vertically. They got so many pass mm-hmm. interference penalties where Michael Pittman would burn someone vertically and burn someone deep, and then he'd just get tackled by a corner trying to stop them from catching the ball, which, I don't know, I don't know. there was a catch, that, or a drop Naheem Hines had down the right side on a wheel route, and first of all, that's brutal, but I, I wondered, some mm-hmm. of the time you saw the 49ers corners get beat, and then try to, like, you. they tell you, if you get beat, just tackle the guy, don't let him catch it, right? You'd rather give up a pass mm-hmm. interference penalty than a touchdown. But I'm like, are we sure they would Like, are we sure Michael Pittman catches every single one of those passes that were thrown his way in the rain? Like, I don't know. But what I do love is that Carson seems to finally be really understanding. And it's taken a while, which is fine. It takes a long time to build rhythm and to build chemistry. Mm-hmm. And it, like, I look at um, the, the the Rams with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. It's amazing that they've built the chemistry they have so quickly. I, it's totally fine with me that Carson's taken a little longer to get there with. Michael Pittman but he's finally starting to understand oh I can really just throw the ball up and let Michael Pittman be the man and I watched Michael Pittman in college against Utah at USC and man like he he literally won the game for USC single-handedly with three massive touchdown catches just like mossing a receiver are you excited the way I am to see Carson Wentz finally seeming to understand that I can just throw the ball up to Michael Pittman
1: Oh, I'm just happy that anyone's throwing it up to Michael Pittman. (laughs) I
0: mean,
1: we've seen, we've seen what he can do. I mean, it's USC and a lot of people, I mean, like, you know, USC, USC doesn't necessarily coach their receivers to be NFL ready. You know what I mean? They've had that, that problem in the past. And, but Michael Pittman, as you talk about, he has this natural ability. He has like, three hours of highlights of him just mossing people and catching yeah. it at USC and coming down with it, turning around. And last year you didn't see that at all when Phillip Rivers was that quarterback, which is weird because when he was with the Chargers, Phillip, that's all you saw Phillip do was, hey, hey, Williams, go get this. You know, hey, Allen, go get this. You know, and, and it he didn't do that at all with Michael Pittman. I don't know if it was just because he was a rookie or, or if he wasn't trusting him or what. And you didn't see that a lot. In the first three weeks either when the Colts started off 0-3, you know, with with Carson Wentz. And now as the season progresses and they've been practicing together, I think Carson Wentz is starting to realize, I've got something here with this kid. You know, he has really, really good hands, even in the, like you was talking about, uh, I don't know if he would have caught all those, you know, in the rain uh, at San Francisco. I mean, he was targeted taking out the PI penalties, he was targeted four times, caught all four balls for over 100 yards in that touchdown, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that that's a huge benefit knowing that uh, even under duress and under special circumstances that are going against the receiver, he can still throw that ball out there. And it's not a 50-50. They like to call that a 50-50 ball. But when you're throwing it to Michael Pittman, it seems more like an 80-20 ball. You know
0: yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, What's funny, in Philadelphia last year, with not even last year, but over the years with Carson Wentz, they kept trying to bring in a jump ball receiver for Carson Wentz, and they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. They could never get him a true number one receiver on the outside the way that I think Michael Pittman is slowly becoming in front of our eyes. And I remember mm-hmm. before the year started, I thought that, man, all the Colts need is you know a, a playmaker in the secondary. They need to figure out a plan at left tackle, and they need a number one receiver. And now I'm like, I don't know that that's true anymore. I think Michael Pittman can become that number one receiver. What they're going to need is a slot receiver, a speed guy, who they can throw crossing routes to or complement. You have to complement the skill set of Michael Pittman. You don't need two guys outside. I think you need a guy inside and a guy outside. And I, I think the next logical t- place to take this conversation is, do you think T.Y. Hilton retires after this year?
1: Mm, that depends. Uh, mm. That's that's a good question because he's well, – three or four years, he's been having lower leg injuries, like ankles and foot and stuff of that nature. Uh, There was one year where he was dealing with a high and a low ankle sprain at the same time, kind of like Carson Wentz was, you know, and playing through it. Um, I I think it depends upon how the Colts finish out the season this year. Uh, He's T.Y. played one game uh, where he was healthy and, and looked phenomenal. Uh, I think it was against the Texans, right, which he normally plays well against the Texans. But if the Colts, I think if the Colts at least make the playoffs somehow, being that they're 3-4 and four, and if they win this Sunday against uh, the Titans, they will only be one game back in the division. If they make the playoffs, I think that puts a little bit more pressure on T.Y., now they win a Super Bowl, which I, I'm not I'm not saying that they, they're going to or their chances are great. I'm just saying if it happens by some magical, you know, thing, then maybe he retires like at the top of his career. But that it's like the the, the two opposite spectrums, mm. you know. if he, he can either retire really high or at the end of the season if if he feels the Colts don't really have a real shot. Uh, or need a lot more to, to, to get to that point, then he may end up retiring. But it looks like, to me, as long as he's healthy on the field, he's, he's producing well still, even even over that 30 mark.
0: Well, T.Y. Hilton is your your veteran star receiver. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching the a football life for Calvin Johnson. And he talked about mm-hmm. how when he decided to retire, he made that decision really early in the year. And he said, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to keep it really close to my chest. I don't want to be a distraction for our football team. And I saw T.Y. Hilton, first of all, lower leg injuries when you're a receiver, who you use your legs all day, all the time. It would be awful trying to run on those. It's terrible. Um, and then he had a moment where he missed a couple of games, and he did an interview talking about he talked to Andrew Luck, and he's like, I'm not going to lie, I consider retirement. And so I I kind of wonder if some of your like reluctance to uh, – like. You know, maybe accept that he might retire because you're a Colts fan. Because I look at it and go, I'm like, man, I, I think that the signs are all pointing towards T.Y. Hilton's going to be done this year. And and we'll see. It'll be interesting. And I, I'm not hoping for that. Like, he's clearly incredible. But I, I fear that he's well, keeping it under wraps to himself.
1: It, I mean, that is possible. But um, on the opposite end of that, T.Y. Hilton likes playing for the organization, mm-hmm. he loves the Indianapolis Colts organization. Well, he took less money to the stay there, right? Mega- Exactly. Right. You know, over the Ravens, you know, who were considered to be, you know, and, and is currently considered to be a, you know, a playoff juggernaut right now. But Calvin Johnson, he was not happy with his organization, Mm. you know, and that probably had a lot to do with his decision to retire as well. So, uh, being able to come into a locker room and be happy with the guys around you, and 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 being happy at where you're at your work, you know, I think that ha- that has a lot to do with whether or not you try for it one more year or not. So, uh, you may be right. He may be ready to retire after this year, or you know, we'll all we could do is sit and wait and see. Yeah,
0: yeah. I want to be clear. I'm not picking a side there because it's it, we just don't oh, know, no. right? I, it's who knows. Mm-hmm. I, I will say it was pretty cool. He didn't play on Sunday, but the week before, who did they play two weeks ago? The Colts. I'm trying to think, it's coming up blank. Uh, Miami? Miami. That sounds right. I think it was Miami. No,
1: no, no. Well, uh, two weeks ago, Baltimore. Baltimore. Baltimore.
0: There you so, so, Whoever they played two what? weeks ago.
1: Niners. Niners. Texans. Baltimore. Miami. Going
0: backwards in time. Mm. So the Texans game. I yeah, there was it no. was Houston. I remember now. Uh, I watched Chris Ballard, the GM, give him like really like a, a genuine like hug during the pre, uh, pre-game warmups. Like, he was like, I'm so glad you're here. Like They clearly have a great relationship, T.Y. Hilton oh, yeah. and the Colts GM. Do you think that there's a sense of unfinished business with T.Y. Hilton where it's like, I'm not leaving because I really think we have potential to make a big run that we I, I just haven't quite made in my career so far?
1: Well, yes, and at the same time, he might be getting frustrated with that feeling because I think he's had that feeling every year for like the last five years. And something has happened to the organization Mm. to backtrack that. Whether it's Andrew Luck retiring or the injury to Andrew Luck or unable to get a a, a good quarterback at the time. um, Something. Something happens. Uh, He gets injured. Something always seems to happen. And that frustration might play in to him not coming back as well. Because, I mean, you get your hopes up real high year after year after year, and then something douses it every year, that's going to play on your psyche a little bit.
0: Yeah, the Colts, in my mind, are massively underachieving this year. And I don't think it's their fault necessarily. It's not like bad play calls have been made. It's not, I just think it, part of it was Carson's new and took time to gel. And the big thing is injuries, man. Injuries really set back this football team. And it was almost unfair and kind of sad. I'm like, man, like I we saw... I came on your show and talked about this. The Rams, you know, the Colts and Rams game, the Colts had a shot to win. I mean, they, they had the ball at the end. Carson Wentz leaves injured and doesn't play on the final drive. If he stays in that final drive, they might win that football game. And the Rams are viewed as a Super Bowl contender. Like, that's how close to being that competitive and that level the Colts are. They're much better than a 3-4 and four record would show, in my opinion. And that's why, I mean... You know, talk to me about the injuries early on this year, because it was such a frustrating thing to go. This team is clearly capable of so much more than they're currently showing.
1: Well, I mean, it starts off in training camp, right? When you got Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson <sighs> both having the exact same surgery over the exact same this injury.
0: This weird, technical, random
1: thing. That happened, apparently... You know, and the causes of the injury were completely different. Carson went supposedly; it happened while he was in high school. Quentin Nelson just stepped wrong, you know, and it happened the day after each well, other. It was like a bone
0: fragment, so, right, in their foot. Yeah, just like a loose yeah. bone fragment. Which I've never, I've never even heard of that before. I, I know it happens, but I never paid attention enough to go, "Oh yeah, bone fragments is rattling around in your foot." It sounds horrible, by the way. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Oh yeah, it does. It, it does sound horrible. But so these guys don't get to practice all of training camp and preseason, right? Yeah. Uh, they start practicing the week before week one. Uh, Eric Fisher, obviously, completely out of it, unable to practice until the game before week two. Uh, Braden Smith, week one, goes down in injury week one uh, with his foot injury. So, yeah, there's a lot of lot of problems. Uh, Ryan Kelly, the Pro Bowl center, you know, uh, he had his hyper uh, hyperextended elbow early in training camp so he wasn't able to to practice for a long extended period the offensive line went through so many injuries early on and it's you can't under can't understate overstate how important it is for offensive linemen to get snaps together right to, to, to get that gel to understand how the guys next to you are going to be blocking and what they will do and in certain situations under under certain schemes and uh, and then of course the quarterback he's got to know how these guys are blocking him around them too uh if if a guy's coming around the edge he needs to know uh is that left tackle going to push him on out further or is he going to try to uh stop him on the edge and, and and possibly allow allow that edge defender to to roll inside you know so um that's that's something that has taken a little longer for the Colts for them to iron out because of the injuries. And I think that had a lot to do with, you know, that, that 0-3 start. And you, you talk about, you know, like the Rams, uh, not, not only with Wentz being out that last drive, they had the ball first and in goal inside the five twice in the first quarter of that game and came away with zero points. All right, that's huge, Baltimore they should have won that game against Baltimore. you know they were up nineteen points in the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden, Lamar Jackson realizes, oh yeah, I'm allowed to throw the football uh <laughs> and then so the Colts were you know set up to to stop the run, and they did I mean they broke that whole record thing that Baltimore had for years and years of <laughs> having a hundred yeah. yards rushing uh but they were so set on that, they didn't adjust well. And then, of course, they only had five defensive backs because of injuries in that game to their defensive backfield. So now that the Colts, I think, are getting healthy and starting to to um, get to know each other, get to gel a little bit, and getting their stars back. It looks to me like Indy's on a roll. And we're going to find out this Sunday uh, where, they're, where they truly are because right now Tennessee is playing superb football.
0: Yeah, my expectations have shifted this year. I I started the year really high on the Colts. I think I'm like, this team, if everything goes right, has shot at a Super Bowl. And things didn't go right, unfortunately. And then I learned, well, really, they they need a playmaker in their secondary. They could use—I just don't know what the left tackle looks like next year. We'll just see how that works out. They need a long-term plan there. Uh, I'd love to see them get another big kind of weapon. Uh, a big playmaker on offense. But if you get those three things, like I'm convinced that the Colts could win at Super Bowl. And right now, like, best case scenario for the Colts, in my view, is you're fighting to try to make the wild card spot and use that, use whatever happens the rest of this year to build momentum for next year. When if you get a couple holes on your roster filled, you can make a big run. I'm curious, what are your expectations and how do you feel about the rest of the year and what do you want from your team as the year comes to a close and we have, what, 11 games left?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. See, I'm more of the, I think we need a premier pass rusher than another start Mm. corner. Uh, I feel like because of the zone defense that the Colts run, the quicker you get pressure on a quarterback, uh, the less time he has to let his receivers get into those open spots in a zone. And our pass rush just hasn't been getting there as well as what a lot of you know, the, the, what the Colts were ex- expecting, apparently. Uh, some injuries to pay injuries to Kamoko uh has really put the pressure on guys like DeForest Buckner to try to do that kind of stuff from the three-tech at a defensive tackle position. And that's not fair to him, because that shouldn't be his number one. His number one priority is supposed to be stopping the run. Yes, get to the quarterback, but stopping the run should be what where he's really based off of. Um, you need to get production from that defensive end position from that pass rush positions and they haven't really gotten it this year um
0: well let me let me hold on for a second I'm I'm curious because oh first of all I said 10 games I said 11 games left. there's 10 games left someone will get mad at me for that Uh, you know it's a much easier ask to get a guy who's kind of a gambler in the second or third round he's got a lot of picks there's a guy from Oklahoma State a couple years ago who made a bunch of plays like that who is not Jalen Ramsey's hard to find a top corner But you can find a guy who's got good ball skills and can make plays on the ball occasionally. And another easier thing to find is a defensive end. A a guy can get after the quarterback. And if you build your defensive line, it makes your secondary have a much easier time. Because the quarterback's got to get the ball out of his hands more quickly. He's got more time to survey. Mm -hmm. So I I actually think that's a great idea, which is... And I've said that all along. My favorite thing about the Colts is they build up front on the offensive and defensive Mm -hmm. line. And if you start there, it spiderwebs through the rest of your organization. And so maybe that's a great approach is find a good defensive end or somebody to get pressure after the quarterback. And then in the second or third round, find a good corner with ball skills or a safety with ball skills who can catch the ball and make a couple plays. If, you know, In the NFL, it's really hard to play great lockdown coverage and just shut down a receiver. But what you can do is be next to them or if that quarterback misses by an inch, you, you can knock the ball away or get an interception. And that's a very achievable goal for the Colts. Now I ask you because they did draft a defensive end in the first round. They drafted Quiddie Pay. Why do you feel like they still need a defensive end after drafting him? Is it because he's not working out? Is it because he's just young and needs more time? What's Quiddie Pay's future in Indianapolis?
1: I think Quiddie Pay, when he when he was drafted, what I saw from him is, um, and, and what I've been seeing is, I mean, his physical attributes are off the charts. He's got great get off on the on, on the line. He's got really good speed, he's got solid strength, he's got long arms, but he's raw when it comes to, you know, his technique and stuff, and that that means that it's going to take a year or two for him to get up up to speed. Um, we don't have a bookend for him, uh, right now, we got guys like um, Al-Qadim Muhammad, who is a good... Decent offensive lineman and has stepped up the last couple weeks. Defensive lineman. But he's not – yeah, defensive lineman, uh, defensive end. But he's not going to scare – I mean, when I say the name Al-Qadim Muhammad, no one out there goes, oh, yeah, Yeah. you'd be lucky if you even know who he (laughs) is, you know. Um, Kamoko Ture, a guy who's got great edge speed, great bend. uh, When he's on the field, produces, but he's like Paris Campbell can't stay on the field, right? right. He's hurt all the time. Um, and then we had... What about, you know, what about the, DeForest the, Buckner? The I know thing... he's
0: not a defensive end, but what about DeForest Buckner's impact?
1: Oh, no. Buckner is scary. Uh, that That's the thing. DeForest Buckner has been everything and more of what the Colts wanted when they gave away that first-round pick last year to the San Francisco Forum. Uh He does get to the quarterback, even through t- double and triple teams. He gets through the quarterback. But the thing is, when you're a defensive tackle and you're getting to the quarterback, the quarterback sees you because you're right in front of his face. So he's able to escape the pocket, right? And Which means you need your defensive ends to be able to contain and do cleanup sacks. You know, a lot of sacks in the NFL, when you've got a great guy up the middle, are cleanup sacks from your defensive ends. And right now, we're not getting a lot of that. DeForest Buckner, get up there, get pressure. Force a quarterback out of the pocket, sideways, left or right. But then, you know, he gets out of the pocket. He's not contained. He gets out to the edge, extends a play. You know, when you're facing guys like Lamar Jackson or, you know, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson, you got to have contain and and good edge presence. Um, DeForest Buckner's going to get in there, and he's going to get the pressures. But he's he's not going to come away with nearly as many sacks because the quarterback sees him right in the front of his face.
0: Yeah, I'm curious. So you, it sounds like you believe Quiddie is going to work out. It's just going to take some time, correct? And then yeah. you'd get another yeah. guy on the other I, side of the defensive defensive line. So if you have two D ends and Divorce Buckner, that's a great setup, right?
1: Oh well, yeah. I mean, look what San Francisco set up that way. Yeah. right. You got D Ford on one end, you got Bosa on the other, and then you got. uh the guy that San Francisco decided to keep instead of DeForest Buckner, uh, Eric Armstead. <laughs> so they, yeah, Eric Armstead. So they, they, they've got that setup, and it's a great setup. Um, again, you go look at the Arizona Cardinals; they're set up very similar in that situation across that D line, and that's what that's what most defense, really good defenses, that defensive line that is that is what is scary about that team mm. most of the time.
0: I want you to educate me on the Colts' salary cap. I know you know this. I just, I, I, have no idea what their salary cap looks like. Is it realistic for them to go get a corner, go get a defensive end in free agency? Because it's looking like Carson's going to play all year, and they're going to have to give up a first-round draft pick to Philadelphia, so they're probably not going to have a first-round pick. And if they are in salary cap trouble, I think my impression is they don't have a lot of room in the salary cap. So then we're like, well, how do they add the player or two that they might need to get a Super Bowl run going? Do they have any salary cap space or no? This year, no. Uh,
1: what they have left right now, they just actually restructured a couple contracts to free up $2 million mm. So that they have, you know, to be able to buy some free agents yeah. to fill due to injuries. Yeah. Uh, next year, I think they're around $60 million. Okay. Um. Uh. But... They got to, ex- they still got to extend uh, Quentin Nelson next year. Mm. You know, so that's like a third of it. Yeah, right there, gone. Yeah, right. Um, so and then we got a whole bunch of one-year contracts like T.Y. Hilton and Xavier Rhodes and guys like that. You know, uh, Zach Paschal, um, uh, Mark Lewinsky on the offensive line. Um, there's there's a bunch of of important pieces. Yeah. Uh, that are one one year contracts that'll have to be either re-signed or find someone to fill that spot. Um, next year they might be able to squeeze it if they do contracts, be able to sign one more big name guy, but they'll have to make it in a way to where when that extra money comes in 2023, uh, for um, due to uh, television money, yeah. right? Uh, that that's that's when the money will 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 hit on the contracts. Otherwise, they're uh, they're going to be a little bit tight over the next couple
0: years. Was Stefan Gilmore ever a? He got cut by the Patriots briefly. There was that moment where we, everyone in the NFL got a tease of that, and then they decided instead to trade him away to to the Carolina. I I think I remember you saying it was never realistically an option anyway. What was there ever a realistic world where the Colts were able to sign a potential free agent like? Um, what? I forget his name just now. The, the corner. Uh, what's his name? Help Stephon me out. Stephon
1: Gilmore? Yes. Yeah, thank you. Stephon, Stephon Gilmore? Gilmore, yes.
0: There you go. I do that sometimes. I just forget people's names. I don't names. Think
1: so. <laughs> I... Uh, that happens with with me as well. I mean, you got so many names rolling in yeah. your head, and you're you're always thinking about stuff that you know. Sometimes it's out there, and you <laughs> like can't reach it. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I can
0: I can say his parents' name, his dog's name, where he grew up. I forgot who his name is. Like, you know, you know how to say it. Anyway, was it ever realistic for them to to sign a guy like Stephon Gilmore? I
1: don't think so because and it has nothing to do with the the, the Patriots thing. Uh, it's a lot of people. Wanted to bring up well, the Colts don't like the Patriots because of what they don't happened care. with Josh McDaniels. They don't care. Go look at Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore was a guy that came off the Patriots practice squad and signed, and now he's uh, maybe one. He is one of the best slot corners in the NFL. the The, the issue with, with with Gilmore was he wanted more money. Now he wanted to get signed and get extended, and the Colts just did not have the money currently to get him. And extend him. And so I just did not see how the Colts could go in and, and, get, and get someone um, not only of his caliber, but, you know, be able to pay him as well. I just, I, I didn't see yeah. the money aspect working out.
0: I, I want to ask this, gonna, you basically answered it, but I want to I make sure I, I really walk with a, a good understanding. It, mm-hmm. It's true then the Colts have the ability to make one good free agent signing next offseason, Correct. Yeah, I believe so. That's awesome. So that could solve at least one big problem with their roster.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean if if a heck of a young pass rusher comes up, you know, that you're not you're not going to be paying like 15 million dollars for a Judon, um yeah. but you know, someone um that looks like they might be up and coming. Honestly, I'm kind of if Ballard can come up with another you know, Houston or Denico Autry type signing, I'd be good with that. Mm. Or uh, you know, a, a solid receiver. If T. Y. Hilton retires, another solid receiver. Yeah, because um, I, I think the Colts are pretty deep at wide receiver. Actually, uh, it's just whether or not they stay on the field or not. That's that's yeah. the issue. Paris right? Campbell, T. Y. Hilton, the most... they got to get on the field and stay healthy. Yeah, yeah they they got to stay they got to stay there and stay healthy. Um, but yeah, uh, they they absolutely could. It just depends upon who's available and how much they want. Because Ballard is not going to overpay for anyone. He was in the market for a lot of players last year. It's been said that he was he was interested in uh, you know Stafford, you know Matt Stafford, and, and and thought about going to grab him. But then you know as as soon as the Rams drop oh a couple first round picks plus a you know a a, a quarterback. Ballard's like, I'm out. Yeah, You know, yeah. I mean, I have no blame for him there. <laughs> so it, it, the, the price has to be right for Ballard to pick somebody mm. up.
0: Is there a feeling that the Colts maybe missed their prime? You talked about they got guys on one-year contracts that are getting older. And two years ago, when Andrew Luck retired, this team was ready to go. And then Andrew Luck retires, massive setback. Then last year, you bring in Phillip Rivers for a year as a mercenary. And, man, I really thought they had a shot. But Philip Rivers just couldn't quite solve their problem the way they needed him to. Is there a feeling in Indy that this team is past their prime?
1: I Actually, the feeling in Indy is they're entering their new prime mm. because of all the youth on the team that Ballard has brought yeah. in. You're looking at Quentin Nelson. You're looking at DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, um, uh, Michael Pittman Jr., Jonathan Taylor. Uh, all these guys are under 25. Yeah. You know, Carson Wentz still has, if he He's a young out, quarterback, for sure. Great. Yeah, exactly. So, their nucleus, their star power on this team is all very, very young mm. still when it comes to, you know, football age. So, you know, the Colts fans, they feel like we're entering our next phase mm. of, of, of potential. So, yeah. and I, I kind of have to agree with it because, you know, all their important guys are, are young and extended for long, long-term long contracts, save Quentin Nelson, which obviously will happen next year.
0: I love that. I mean, it's a period of transition where you go from one prime, you had a down year or two. The old names are replaced by new young names that are, can lead you into the mm-hmm. next couple of years and hopefully a, a golden era for the Colts. Man, there, there's one move the Colts made that I thought was amazing that's panned out really, really well. And I, I think they actually, it was good they didn't try to pursue Matthew Stafford. They got a better price on a great quarterback who's younger, who, let, let's be honest, I don't know how many, how many more years Matthew Stafford has left. Carson Wentz has got a long future in Indianapolis, and he's been a massive home run. He has, I think he's, I think he's the best player on the Colts, and I think a lot of people look at their record and their losses early and don't understand how well Carson Wentz has been playing. Like, I'm, I'm blown away when I watch this guy play football. How do you feel about the way Carson Wentz has played? Do you do you feel the same way that I do that it's been a massive success?
1: Well, I mean, currently, if I remember reading a stat right, over the last four weeks, Carson Wentz has the highest passer rating in the NFL. Right over the last four weeks, mm-hmm. that that's a huge statement. Uh, taking away that 0-3 start where uh, we already discussed that, you know, why well, we started 3 Let's say it again, though. 0 and 3.
0: Injuries, you're building chemistry with a new football team. Mm-hmm. He didn't play much during training camp. His offensive line isn't healthy. Like, I don't think it's fair to hold the first three losses for Indy on Carson Wentz's head. That That's just a ridiculous standard to hold a quarterback to. I, I
1: fully 100% agree. And now that you're starting to see all that kind of come to fruition with this team— Carson Wentz is playing phenomenal. Um, there's going to be a lot of got people out there that's going to say, well, in that San Francisco game, he had like four turnover-worthy plays. And I'm like, did you see what was going on in that game? <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you get a pass when there's an atmospheric river. Literally, that's what it's called, passing through San Francisco. Sorry, man, I'm not going to hold the turnovers against him. Or the turnover-worthy no, plays.
1: No, I mean, no. Carson Wentz was out there trying to play football in a water polo field. <laughs> Uh, so
0: <laughs> i love it well he had that play on second and goal where i felt so bad for him because he's got I, I think it was this running back open in the flat in the end zone he tries to flip it to him and the ball just like falls out of his hand because it's literally like waterlogged and you're like oh i just i saw what he was thinking people he got criticized for like trying to do too much so I'm like i don't think he's normally if it's not wet that's a play he makes and that's a touchdown i was just like i felt bad for him in that play
1: do me a favor, yeah. when we get done recording here, go over, I'm sure it's on uh, Game Pass right now, go check out the film on that. And what actually happened uh, is, as he's trying to shuffle that out to Zach Pascal, who, by the way, was so wide open in the end zone, there wasn't anyone within like six yards of him, there was a defender that got his hand out and hit the tip of the ball right here where he was shuffle passing yeah. it. And that knocked it out, and the ball just went out. Oh. It looked like, when, when you're looking yeah. at normal motion, it looks like Carson Wentz just threw it right to the <laughs> defender. But in, in, in actual, it did it. actuality, yeah. no, uh, it got hit. that's why it was considered a forced a strip sack. Mm. It was marked down as a strip sack. Yeah, it sack looked like an interception in real time,
0: the, but it was actually a fumble. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly. Wild. Exactly. So, and you can't really put that on him. Because it was just so close. It was, they say that football is a game of inches, and that proves it by far. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, he barely got an inch of the football, and and it turned six points, you know, for a touchdown pass, a guaranteed touchdown pass to a turnover, you know, and San Francisco having the ball at the 20-yard line.
0: How about alley Cox? He had a touchdown in that game, and I, a lot of people want him to get targeted more. Do you look at him and go, "That's a that's a really valuable player we have that can be a centerpiece to our offense"? Oh,
1: absolutely, I think so. Um, I'm one of those guys that think, you know, I, I get you know the Zach Ertz and 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 uh, Travis Kelsey's of, of the NFL. I'm one, well, I want one of my my tight ends to be able to do everything. I want them to be able to block. I want them to be able to pass. I want them to be able to do, or catch. They don't have
0: to pass. <laughs> we um, hope not, but they, they maybe right. they have to. Like we saw Henry <laughs> throw a pass. Maybe they
1: can. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe they can. <laughs> I don't know if they can. Great. You know, I mean, we had one of those last year, and Trey Burton didn't exactly work out. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I want them to be able to block. I want them to be able to catch. And moali Cox has got like. He's got a longer reach and bigger hands than Pittsburgh. He's a basketball player, right? From, Yes, he, he played basketball at VCU. I think he was a power Virginia forward. Virginia Commonwealth. Runner. Oh, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Mo Moe's one of those guys on, on – and, and it's, it's became a very big thing to Indianapolis Colts fans around Colts Nation talking about get him the ball because his reach and his hands – he can moss people, too, yeah. the way Mike you've see, been seeing Michael Pittman do it. Throw it up, let him go get it. And Mo tells Carson Wentz all the time, just throw it up there. I'll, if there's a linebacker on me, I, I, I'll be able to get over him. If it's a cornerback, they can't out-muscle me for it, you know. So just just give it to me. And Carson's been giving it to him, uh, passing him the ball more and more over the last four weeks, and he's he's making something out of it. So mm. – um hoping to see more of that going into the future as well. So especially
0: this season. Well, it's another one of those does stories where I think he's learning how to play with Michael Pittman. He's like, "Oh, I can throw the ball up. I can really just man launch it up and mm-hmm. let him, you know, knock pull the ball away from a defender." He's also learning what Mowale Cox does well. And I think Colts fans mm-hmm. should be actually glad that Mowale Cox is not a bigger name because then he would demand more money. Right? So it's actually he, he's kind of sneaking under the radar right now, which is keeping him lower on the salary cap. Uh, and I, I mean, I think there's so much potential there, which is going to be fantastic.
1: I think he was an RDA last season. Mm. And uh, so, you know, which, or, restrict, or RFA. Yeah, restricted uh, free agent. Restricted, yeah. free, restricted free agent. And so that's that's something that's kind of funny that you mentioned that. You know, if he was a bigger name, some other team would have snagged him mm-hmm. up, you know, and, and given whatever, you know, a third or a second round pick, whatever he was tagged as uh, for the offseason. So absolutely, absolutely. I fully agree. I'm going
0: to play some audio for you. I'm going to do it the jank way, like the, the old, like where you hold up the phone and you play it in the microphone and uh, we'll see if you can mm-hmm. hear it. I think I got to play it here and then we'll see if you can hear it through there. But I want to, I want to, you, you corrected me with something on, on your show and I saw something because you were right, by the way, you talked about something and I was like, oh, he's totally right. And then I saw something that contradicted what you said, but also contradicted what a guy had said about it. Like, he himself contradicted himself. So I'll play it, and then we'll talk about it. It'll be kind of fun. Bobby Okariki, Stanford. Bobby O'Kariki, Stanford. Bobby Okariki, Stanford. So Bobby Okariki so came out and said on Twitter, it's Okarike is how you say his name. Mm-hmm. And then I'm watching, so he's like, my name, I'm Bobby Okarike." So he said that on Twitter. And then I'm watching Sunday Night Football. He's doing the intro and he's introducing himself. He says his own name and he goes, my name is Bobby Okariki. I played at Stanford. And I'm like, what? This is scandalous. What's going on? How? I felt betrayed. I'm like, what? Where where did this come from? You made a whole stink about changing how we say your name just to do that. And and maybe he recorded that during the preseason, probably. I don't know how that works. But man, I was just like, what? What's real and what's not? Are we in the Matrix? What's going on here? Did you notice that too? Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> all of Colts Nation. Like, it was
1: it was all what? over Twitter, all over because we've been calling him Bobby Okariki since he was drafted. Yeah, right. That's his name. Uh, I thought. And as soon as Pat McAfee was like, "Future Hall of Fame linebacker, Bobby Okereke," that's how
0: everybody's been pronouncing. He, he's the Yeah, that and was I, Tennessee, right? When he went to Tennessee and did the amazing mm-hmm. announcement. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. He said, "Future Hall of Fame linebacker," and then, he, oh, that's right. Oh, what a moment. Anyway, so sorry. So sorry
1: oh you're're you're, you're good. So he says that, and then everybody starts pronouncing his name that way. Now, I'm curious. so he he even starts pronouncing it maybe he felt like I shouldn't correct them mm. because that was Pat McAfee and everybody now knows that and I'm just gonna say it that way. Yeah. And pure speculation that that you know he's that's how he felt. And then maybe his family or something was like, no, 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 you need to
0: correct. Well, this. there's the actor Willem Dafoe, who there's a video of him from mm-hmm. like the 80s where he's like, my name is William Dafoe, and you're like, wait, what? Well, oh, wait, you changed how you said your name. Like, so that happens all the time mm-hmm. where people like mm-hmm. lean into whatever they're being called or whatever they think is better at the time to be called. So I just wanted to, I, yeah. I, I had that weird and you know parallel between him and William Dafoe or Willem Dafoe where it's like, wait, what's your actual mm-hmm. name? Yeah, I. I, I, I
1: I'm going to give him a pass, because we've been confused all off season, all year, anyhow, on how to pronounce his name, because it's been Okariki, O'Karake, back and forth, and you know what, Bobby, Bobby O, that's what I'm going to call you from now on.
0: Probably right, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's much safer.
1: <laughs> much, much safer, but he... He needs to get into wherever that was recorded and actually get it changed the way he actually wants it pronounced. Because there are a lot of people out there on social media that are very uh, strict when it comes to pronouncing names correctly you know, and...
0: Well, like, DJ Uwe um, Unglale at Clemson was one I'm like, I better learn that because I'm going to have to say it a lot. I, and I'm, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm going to learn it and I'm going to master it and say DJ Uwe Unglale all the time instead of trying to say DJ U because I hate trying to not, like, TJ, you know, Tua Tungavaloa was another one I had to learn. I'm like, I better learn this so I can right. say it when I have to instead of just avoiding it all the time. You still hear people say, like, yeah, Vagloa. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? That's not his last name. But Tua, I'm like, oh my gosh. Anyway, so sorry, but it's pronunciation is a big one that people like want to get right. And uh, it's, it's to some people that really are sticklers about it to listen to our shows. You have to get it right or else they're going to give you no end of hassle about it.
1: Absolutely. I mean, earlier this off season, uh, there was a, uh, a guy on the Colts, 90, 90 man roster that was playing really lights out football, ended up getting released at the beginning of the year and picked up by Philadelphia. It was a safety, uh, named Andre and he it's spelled C-H-A C-H-E-R-E but it's pronounced Sachere Sachere and I actually yeah it looks like Chachery <laughs> but it's called it's pronounced Sachere and the only reason I know that is because I was bold enough to be like how do you pronounce your name you know in a tweet and uh, his family you know replied and said you know, phonetically how yeah. to pronounce it. And I was like, thank you, because it, it makes our lives so much better and easier so that we don't have to hear all these people, you know, hitting <laughs> us back in the comments going, man, you chopping this name up like crazy. This is my last name as well and blah, blah, you know, and I'm, let, let, let me get this right. Bobby O, please let me get this right and and, and explain exactly what's going on and why you pronouncing it uh okariki even though you're phonetically spelling it on your twitter okarake <laughs> you
0: know <laughs> no man it, it's a i don't know it's just interesting to me i, I love that um like it, it's something that people want to get right and it, we're all figuring it out i want to ask you about I, you mentioned him and i wasn't planning to but i'm like oh, well, why not right it's it's kind of fun to talk about pat I, I, pat's awesome i've dm'd him a couple times and um I, like seems like a lovely human being I'm curious, you're an Indy, I believe you live in Indy, and you're a Colts fan, you're heavy in that community, what's the community and Colts nation feel about Pat McAfee?
1: Hey, I'm going to correct you real quick, I don't live in mm-hmm. Indy, I do live just north, about 60 miles okay. north of Indy. you're
0: in Indiana. But that's, yeah, ah! I am in Indiana. <laughs> you got that. Yeah. It's a wide world, so you and a flat it, one. I heard in Indiana, it's a flat world. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, there's there's in Brown County, there's some big hills. <laughs> most
0: generally, what's a, what's a hill look like in Indiana? Like twenty three feet tall?
1: Maybe uh, <laughs> if, if if more than five ants get together, then it's a hill. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, but man. There's nothing but love for Pat McAfee here, no. I mean he he is shared and quoted more than the governor is, okay. So that you know, nothing but love, him and Peyton Manning. Yeah. Those are those are the two big idols here. Reggie Miller sure. also probably in yeah. that in that same vicinity, you know. But yeah, there's nothing but love for for Pat McAfee in Indiana, and I don't know anyone. When he posted that that couple you know two years ago uh during that draft, oh my goodness that that started up so so much uh that there was memes all over the place over that i'm I'm actually happy for the guy that he 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 quit n f he quit the n f l he wanted to be a
0: comedian yeah you know that he did an amazing stand-up comedy like an amazing special where he has a whole audience and tells stories about peyton manning like i thought he was going to be a comedian because he was so good at doing that i was like wow Mm -hmm. okay
1: blew my mind yeah and then he then he i think it was barstool Mm
0: -hmm. that he was
1: working for and then was like nah i'm done with it i'm gonna just go on my own and you know he's blowing up on youtube and got his own podcast it's blown up you know and uh, I'm glad that 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 life is working out for him because he's a very special, unique personality.
0: Yeah. Well, it's cool that he's become like a darling son the same way you would talk about Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. And mm-hmm. what I love about Pat is that he brings this energy and, and passion, but it's just like he's so full of life and energy, which is hard to do on a day-to-day basis. And he does, he brings the juice every single day. And it's pretty cool from the outside looking in, like – the dude could live anywhere. I live in Hawaii because I'm like I work on the internet and I can do whatever I want. He chose to stay in Indiana. It's like I got a house there. Mm-hmm. It's where my community is, and it's it's pretty cool. He runs his business and lives there in the city of, of Indianapolis, and that's that says a lot about him and his love for Colts Nation too. To me, from the outside looking in, is he doesn't have to be there. He chooses to be there, which is pretty cool.
1: Well, I, that's a, a big spokesman for Indiana. I mean. Indiana doesn't have a a lot of spokesmen. (laughs) Most people, when they have $10 million, go, okay, where in the world do I want to live? Indiana. I've always wanted to live between a soybean and a corn farm. (laughs) You know? Uh, (laughs) But, um, no, the the people in Indiana are, are just absolutely awesome and very, very helpful and kind. And I think that's one of the reasons why Pat likes it here. You know, because... It, it, it is a friendly friendly area so um I'm, I'm glad he chose to stay uh by far and i'm glad that he still gives you know uh this state of ours uh, a good rep mm. because there ain't a lot of people outside of i don't know um what's his name um used to host the late show uh
0: jay leno no johnny no, 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 carson
1: other no, 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 not not okay, not the late show, the Tonight, tonight Show. Man? No, that that's the Tonight Show. You're I think I
0: think it was Johnny Carson. I, uh, I don't actually know. I've never uh, I never followed them that closely. But there's some uh, guy from Indiana uh, it sounds uh, like oh, oh, that sorry. did one of those shows. Uh, uh, um, oh. I can't believe I dude. It happens one time. Old, I called. I couldn't remember John Elway's now. name, and then I called him Jim Elway, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? I, like, how? I, of course I know who John Elway is, but I said Jim Elway, and I forgot is his it, name for like an entire segment."
1: David Letterman.
0: David Letterman. There we go. Okay, I should have known that. Yeah, I should (laughs) have (laughs) too. That happens.
1: I should have known it way more than you should have known it. (laughs)
0: Um, I gotta say, because I I love to share my love for the area, and I don't my 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 love in that area is Cincinnati, which is not Indian Indiana, but it's nearby. It's right on the border. It's very close, and. uh, Man, I if I ever move back to the lower 48, I'm going to have to spend a lot of time and, and potentially live in, in, in Cincinnati because I love and, and I know that Cincinnati is Ohio. It's not Indiana, but it's right next to it, man. And that, the people in that area and the passion for sports and like the, the sense of community and the way people have a, a, like a vibe in that area of the world is so cool to mm-hmm. me. I love it. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, I really like the area as well. Uh, a lot of people say there's nothing to do in 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 this area other than cow tip, but I, I promise you you'll find something. Yeah. Um, what's what's odd? There's a lot of um, big events that happen around here, like the combine mm-hmm. has been you know held in 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 Indiana, uh, in Indy for years, and they're getting ready to vote for it right now on whether to move it uh, between the three choices are Indiana, La, and Dallas. And I'm like, why would you even move it? I mean, it's more centralized, mm-hmm. right, uh, you know, compared to the the other teams. So it would be a lot easier to get there rather than, okay, well, Dallas, there's, yes, there's a lot of football teams in Dallas or in the Texas area. I get that, you know, L.A., yes, there's a lot of football teams, but there's a lot over on the eastern coast as well. And, you know, uh, there's the market in Indiana is set up for conventions, because in Indianapolis is is massive in conventions, right? Uh, kind of like how San Diego is massive with conventions as well. And so I, I think it's just it's better to stay where you're at. It's worked. Everyone who's ever been to it has always had nothing but good things to say about it. So why break something if it's not broken?
0: Well, I, I think man, Dallas doesn't need the combine financially. It does wonders for Indiana, man. Like Indian Indianapolis can use that money and that revenue, and all the people that come in and stay in hotels and go to restaurants. And uh, I don't. First of all, I hope it doesn't move. I, I think it's fantastic where it is. I could understand Dallas, but I'd be disappointed. What I can't understand is L.A. because it's it's not a central location. I get it that it's it's a hub and people they got the new stadium there, but I I would feel really disappointed if it went to LA. I'd be like, that's just a mistake in my opinion. Dallas, you can explain Dallas to me, although I hope it stays in Indy, but LA would be like, are you kidding me? Like people, it's, it's all the way across the country for like a, like there's more people on the East coast. I believe than the West coast. And it just would make no sense to not have it in a centralized location, in my opinion.
1: Well, if you go solid West coast or solid East coast, you're going to come across a lot of different state mandates, Mm -hmm. right? That, People from the general U.S. is not used to. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, I'm sorry. I've heard nothing but but terrible things about traffic in L.A. (laughs) I lived in L.A. Don't go to L.A. I know. (laughs) Indiana's much more relaxed
0: with their rules and their their state laws for sure. Yeah. um, But
1: I'm I'm not trying to down – California, or I will LA, Boo, means, California.
0: <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs>
1: I've never been awful. there. I've awful. never been
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot and not in a good way. It's just like it's just uncomfortable. It's a desert. <laughs> well, okay, well, you go to NorCal. It's pretty. It's pretty I... and green. There's mountains. That's pretty fun. Okay, all right. L- let's uh, let's end with this I mean, man. I do I do plan on doing yeah. that. <laughs> uh, if you ever are man, I'd love to fly and meet you. Um, uh, let me let me let's ask. I want to ask this, and I want to end the show this way. Uh, is there anything else around the nfl aside from the colts you want to talk about i have one but i'm curious if there's anything going on to the nfl you're like man this is something that i just i have to talk about or it drives me nuts or i want to i want to mention before we go
1: oh man dude i could talk about so much about the nfl (laughs) there's not just one thing i mean i mean it's the nfl we got 32 teams and uh, what four point six billion players and you know all these coaches and 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 what's going on in Washington with the the you know that 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 whole situation with the Washington football team?
0: Uh, I'd love to see that owner gets Watson, some, get some. I want to see them. I see Mark Davis this morning said he wants a written mm-hmm. report from the NFL. I fully support that because I'm really tired of. People, the NFL, especially covering up for their billionaire owners and not holding them accountable and having any kind of transparency. And especially like, Washington is an owner that drives me nuts. And I would love to see him, you know, kind of get held accountable for the stuff that went on that I think they're trying to hide and cover up in Washington. It drives me nuts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Accountability. Uh, there's the NFL is picky and has been picky and choosy on who's who's being held accountable and who's not. And I don't think that's fair. Uh, not just to players, but owners and coaches and everything, you know. I mean, it, it, if you're going to hold someone accountable, you got to be a level playing field across the board, and, and
0: that's that's all there is to it. Um, well, it's frustrating because, got, if I may, like the, the NFL is run by billionaires that kind of get whatever they want yeah. and get their way, and it's certainly like it. the, the rules are not fair to the guys who own the teams compared to the people who work for the teams. It, it, it's like so irritating yeah. to me that we have all these double standards and the rules are just different for the elite in America. And I'm like, ah, I hate that. I hate that so much.
1: But is it the players on the team fault of what has happened over, you know, on that team? And even if they do do that, like what what I'm saying, if the NFL comes down on Snyder, in some some way or another, how do they do that? Where it's not going to hurt mm. the players and 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 the coaches? Because um, Ron Rivera don't deserve any any backlash yeah, off of this. Situation, that's true, you know. And so, uh, if you hitting Snyder, you sh- yes, you could do it, but you got to be careful on how you do it, so you're not hitting the rest of the team that don't deserve, you know, being mm. hit in, in in a specific
0: way. That's a really good thoughtful point, which is. I mean, I, I've even heard some people say like, you know, that thing came out about the NBA owner in Phoenix having a bunch of stuff that was inappropriate. And they're like having conversations about kicking him out of the league and forcing him to sell. I'd love to see that happen in Washington where they're like, hey, we're not going to punish Ron Rivera, the players. No one deserves that. It's the person at the top who doesn't deserve to own a football team. If they find what I think they're going to find, I'd love to see him removed from ownership in the NFL. It'd be awesome to see him forced to trade would be great.
1: And if it happens okay, good. But uh, I just that's something that's never happened in the NFL. Yeah, it's to true. my knowledge. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, that would be an epic, you know, an epic thing that would happen that would be historical and I I don't know if our current NFL president is willing to take that kind of a step yeah (laughs) yeah i mean you're right probably
0: nothing happens there i I got one i'd love to talk about real quick if i may i'm seeing a lot of people there's this narrative being pushed that the nfl has figured out patrick mahomes and i'm like what what are you talking i played quarterback and the nfl didn't figure out patrick mahomes patrick mahomes is making bad decisions like he's beating himself And it's so irritating to me to see people go talk about how – as if there's like a magic puzzle that's been solved on how to beat Patrick Mahomes. It's like, no, no, no. He's just literally making bad choices. That's all it is. He's doing too much and and hurting himself, but no one's doing it to him. Do you agree? Is there anything there for you? There's a
1: lot there. Um, But – you can have the conspiracy theorists and say, Well, uh, Tom Brady gave all of the Madden stuff to
0: Mahomes. <laughs> he gave the, the Madden curse to Mahomes and it didn't take it for yeah, himself. He's
1: like, You can have my share of that as well. Uh you know. <laughs> uh no. Ma- I, I yes. Mahomes has been a guy who has put his team on his shoulders uh many times over the last few years. And you see, you have, you caught glimpses of what happens when Mahomes does it too much and you, he has to rely on himself too much. Like, um, you know, when he got blown out in the Super Bowl. You know, too much on his shoulders, mm. right? Or was that the AFC Championship? I can't remember. Where, no, no, that was the Super Bowl, right? This Yeah, against Tampa Bay. I'm slow. <laughs> Where you know he he was trying too hard. Too much of that was put on his shoulders, and he's gonna crack. He's just like any other person in the NFL, or or, or anyone in the world. You know, you put too much on their shoulders; they they can only lift so much. You got to have some kind of support there. And Mahomes has not got the support right now that he needs. Uh, that offensive line is playing awful.
0: So is the okay? defense, man. I mean, that defense is the yeah, worst in the NFL. The de-
1: yeah, I mean, when 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 you walk into a game going, you know what? I have to throw a minimum of five touchdowns to win this game. You're setting yourself up for failure right from the get go.
0: Yeah,
1: right from the get go. So Mahomes is probably in his own head more than the other teams are in his head, in my opinion. Yeah, because uh, make no mistake, it's not like his talent has just went. Poof. That don't happen to someone his age that, no. that that that's on his level, right? I mean, it just it don't. So. Um this is this is more of an organizational thing than it is, you know, a Patrick Mahomes. Oh, thing. I
0: totally agree. It, it's crazy. Well, first of all, the team is last in sacks. They have 8 of them this year, which is like nothing. This it's like it's one a game basically. And then mm-hmm. as a result of that, Mahomes is trying to do way too many things. He's trying to make up for the bad offensive line. He's running for his life. They got 17 turnovers this year in Kansas City, which is more it's 5 more than every other team, which I think it's like Houston and the Jaguars and the Jets all up 12, which is he should never be not only in the same conversation as the Jets and the Jaguars and Houston, but let alone worse than them. And it's crazy. Like you see, all these people talk about how, you know, last year in, in Philadelphia, Carson Wentz got blamed heavily, and he did some bad stuff. He played in hero ball, making bad decisions, holding on to the ball too long. But why was Carson Wentz suddenly playing badly? It's because the team around him was bad. Look at Seattle. They've got not without Russell Wilson. There's nothing in, going on in that organization, and. Every quarterback in the NFL, from Tom Brady to Josh Allen to even losers like Teddy Bridgewater, everybody needs help. Every single uh-huh. quarterback in the NFL. And loser is a tough way to say that. Sorry, Ted, Teddy. My bad. I apologize. <laughs> but my, my, my point is that it's so weird how we, we praise quarterbacks exponentially when they succeed. And we never seem to talk about the rest of the team around them. And then when the team is bad around them, we blame the quarterback, even though it's not really all on the quarterback. So we, I just think as an as entire league and a football world, we sometimes forget how valuable the rest of the team is around the quarterback. It just drives me nuts that we never talk about. Like, I, I get it. It's hard to understand how good an offensive lineman is and get to know all five dudes that are hogs you know, blocking for the running back. But those guys matter so much more than they ever get credit for around the league and around the sports media.
1: Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree. And that's not just because I have the best interior offensive lineman on my team. (laughs) Uh, (laughs)
0: Well, like, stats Um, are easy, uh, man. Touchdowns and interceptions. People focus on that rather than what's around quarterbacks.
1: Exactly. And, And, you know, you have to... Okay, so there's a reason why if... You know, you win a Super Bowl or or, or if a quarterback, a, a famous quarterback like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, both known for this. You know, uh, they go win a Super Bowl. They go get an MVP. What happens? They go in, and, and buy their entire offensive line something because they know. They, can, they could not have done it without those five guys in front of them, right? Running backs who, uh, you know, break 2000. Derrick Henry, great running back. Without that run blocking in front of him, I promise you he's not got 1,000 yards rushing already. You know what I mean? Uh, This is how it is. Jonathan Taylor right now is getting 5.5 yards per carry so far this season. And if it wasn't for the run blocking in front of him, he'd be lucky to get four yards a carry. It's just how the NFL works. And, And people are so, you know, right off the bat, Looking at those individual players in in those prime spots at the running back or the quarterback or something of that nature and not want to give the credit where a lot of that credit should be due. Because, like you said, Joe Flacco wouldn't have won that Super Bowl without a good offensive line. Mm. Trent Dilfer? Would not have won a Super Bowl without no, an offensive no, line in that defense. No
0: offense, Trent, we you love know you, what I, mean? I mean, No, <laughs> he knows too. Yeah, he knows yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Right. So, I mean, you you got to give credit to these guys occasionally, and and I love the fact that that a lot of people, a lot of uh, content creators like you and I, we will do that occasionally. We're like, you know what? Had he not picked up that blitz in the time that he in in that timely fashion that he did had his head on a swivel and picked it up, this quarterback would not have had time to find that open receiver and hit him for that game winning touchdown. Mm. You know, it, it, it's very very simple,
0: quick thing. How much do you think? So I, I hate fantasy football, and if if you have sponsors that do fantasy football, say nothing. But I. I abhor fantasy football. It's the way that it's ruined. I think the way a lot of people look at the game, we focus on stats and numbers and the things that are sexy, and not on the context of what actually wins football games. And it, it like, I just think in, in so many ways. Like, I'm a, I, I, maybe I'm a purist. I don't know how to put it a better way than that. I love the game, and in many ways, to me, fantasy football often gets in the way of actually like the way the game should be played. And we focus on the wrong things and. I think sports fans are uneducated on what really matters in the scheme of winning football games because they're so, you know, up their rear end about stupid numbers that don't actually necessarily lead to winning.
1: I didn't know I had a brother in Hawaii. Oh, Um, yeah. (laughs) Let's go. Sorry if your ears just blew out listening. (laughs) Wow. What a response. Uh, I have never. I have never played fantasy football.
0: And never, me either, I, I and never I never will. A it's a
1: job. And it it is it, a job, yeah. <laughs>
0: that, and
1: that's why I tell them, like, I got i got followers all over the place. You need to play fantasy football and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, if I do that, I wouldn't be able to do this content because it's too much time taken out of my day. All of my time is busy making content, watching f- football, and watching film and all this, and, and recording and stuff. Fantasy football, for one, takes away from the real game because you're too worried about... Uh, whether or not this player on your team is getting this many yards and this many touchdowns so that you can win money, you know, whereas, you know, you're the, some people like yourself don't have a favorite team. And I understand that. And, and those of you that, that do that, that's fine. But if you have a favorite team, how in the world are how, how how do you feel when you when when your fantasy players are playing against your team? That's what I want to know. Who are you rooting for when you're like you know your favorite team is say the Giants and you're playing against uh, Dallas? I don't know. That, that yes, exactly. And Zeke is on your team. You know, on your fantasy team. You know, do you go? Well, I hope Zeke breaks two hundred yards against my favorite team.
0: I hope not. Come on now. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Right. I think most I mean, people do on. though. They're like, I want this guy to have a good game, but I want my team to win. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Right? Like, it drives me nuts. Oh my god.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And then of course, again, to your point, it takes away from the guys who actually do all the work, you know, the your lines, your offensive and defensive lines. There's no stats for defensive linemen you know outside of like but you got guys like you know in the defensive tackle position you got, you got a great zero or one tech guy you know who's in there stuffing the run all the time there, there's no fantasy for him so they don't even think about those kind of guys you know and yet the the fact that they're there and they stop you know Derrick Henry from getting 4 yards a carry or 5 yards a carry during this game you know th- you Put it on them. They're the ones that, that won that game or, or had a big part of it. But you'll never know about it because they're not in the fantasy. Mm. You know, they're they're not on your fantasy team because there's no list for a defensive tackle or something like that. So or or offensive linemen. <laughs> you know, uh again.
0: I, holy cow, I had a conversation you know? with a sponsor uh during the preseason. They really wanted to sponsor the show. They were a fantasy football website, and um mm. I ended up not taking it, but it was they were they were actually they they liked my pitch and my pitch was I'm gonna I'm not gonna say I play fantasy football on your website I'm not gonna do it all I'm gonna say is if you want to play fantasy football you can go to blank and do it there and they were they were actually okay with that so I'm not gonna say their name but credit to them that they were willing to not I wasn't gonna actually endorse their product I was just gonna promote it. Um, So that's the only workaround I've ever found. Is if people want to pay me money to talk about fantasy football, I refuse to say I play fantasy football because I don't and I hate it. But if you want to, power to you. Like uh, people collect sports cards, and I don't. I I think it's a piece of cardboard. It doesn't really do anything to me. But if it gives you joy, great. I got no problem with other people enjoying what makes them happy. Dude, I got. I have a video game collection that's ridiculous, and that's because that's what I enjoy. And other people probably look at that, and think that's stupid, and that it's fine to have your own thing. You appreciate, but just know, man, I I, I think it's bad for the game, and I don't like fantasy football. It drives me nuts.
1: I think it's video games for people who enjoy sports. Mm. You know, when they don't when they don't have Madden or something like that. I think that's I think that's what fantasy football is all about. And um, you could say that about anything, you know, uh, when it comes to. You can find something else that you could be more productive at than just sitting there wasting time doing that. But then again, you know, like us, you know, we, we like video games. We could do the same thing if we wanted yeah. to find something more productive in our yeah. lives. But at the same time,
0: well, there is—you need a. I, I, let me say—I'm so sorry. You there, there is value in, in your life like that, and that's for me. What mm-hmm. games are is when I'm when I'm tired to have, you know, I, I'm just burned out and I need a night off. That's when I play games, and it's like maybe once every couple of weeks. That's all it's really been in my life, which is kind of sad to me. Uh, I just don't find fantasy football restful. Like I don't know how that's not like playing Uncharted Four is a break that it gives me time to actually wind down. There's no way to me fantasy football is a restful break from the world. I'm like, if it is for you, great. For me, I can't imagine how that's even possible.
1: I can't either. But then again, at the same time, uh, I don't know about you, but I've played many, many games where I got so mad that I wanted to throw my controller <laughs> through the screen uh and that wasn't arrestful at that point in time uh but i I get what you're (laughs) saying though
0: (laughs) well lawrence um man i gotta say i love you the the quote of the day was i didn't know i had a brother in hawaii (laughs) that (laughs) so much that was awesome uh i want to say thank you so much for coming on i should have asked this way earlier and i I messed up i apologize where can people find you
1: Uh, it's all good, man. I, I just appreciate you having me on here, man. It's, an, it's always a joy to sit and talk football with you. Hmm. Um, I'm Lawrence Owen. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Colts underscore law. Um, you can find I got a couple of podcasts, one called Colts Law, one called Believe in Colts, where my co-host is Dequel Jackson, uh, the former Pro Bowl linebacker for the Colts and for the Browns. How did
0: that happen, by the way? How the heck did you get a show with Dequel Jackson? Uh, have you seen me? I do great work. (laughs) Fair enough. But I do too. And I don't have a show with Tom Brady. What's going on? (laughs) No, no. uh,
1: To be fair, uh, believe podcast network got a hold of me and said, Hey, we have an opening. We want somebody to, to do the host, the, the believe in Colts podcast. And I was like, uh, maybe. And they were like, we're going to try to get someone that you, you know, former Colts player. And I was like, you do that i'll join mm, that's and, awesome and uh dequell jackson agreed to it so i was like i'm there i love to yeah the is such a great great person um every every week sometimes twice a week uh we record uh podcasts and it's it's we sit for an hour and we sit and we we just chat and have fun and talk football uh much like what we just did here today you know um absolutely wonderful also To get back, you can find me on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, My name right here, uh, Lawrence Owen. Um, It's very simple. You can also look up Colt's Law. Very, very simple. Not Colt's
0: Law. (laughs) Colt's Law. I'm just KFC coleslaw Laws that came to mind. Um, (laughs) I love good old KFC, man. There's nothing like it it's I love their business oh, yeah but you know yeah. yeah uh well Lawrence uh man I love you I appreciate you I, I think we'll have you on I don't know when we'll have you on next I, we might have you on before now between now and February but definitely in February I want to have you on and do kind of a season recap for the Colts year and talk about what happened and what went down and uh I just want to say man I got nothing but love for you thanks for coming on you're wonderful you're a great human being I love your spirit like you got this passion that's so fun to interact with and uh I just want to say thank you so much for coming on
1: well, oh, thank you again. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on to my show. You know, a couple weeks ago, that was that was a a great introduction between us. And I I, th- I thought we have a really good chemistry for people that's never really you know met each other, or live on opposite sides of the world. So um, very very fun. I can't wait to to get back with you and and talk some more football. Yeah,
0: no, it's it's very rare to meet another person, and not even we didn't even meet to talk on on the phone basically. And have the rapport we have. It's pretty fun and really special to me. It's really cool. Absolutely. All right, my man. Have a great day, and uh, we'll talk soon.